It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals' sad post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. After the Bengals' disappointing loss in the Super Bowl to the Rams. Rick, it's disappointing, but it's... I want to say it's the opening of a window, knowing fully as a coach that you don't always get these opportunities. It just doesn't happen as much as we think, hey, these guys are really good and they'll keep going back. And I do think this group will go back. I think they'll go back and I think Joe Burrow will win one because he's Joe Burrow. He's Joe freaking Burrow. But it's disappointing because they were right there. And here we are again, 0-3 in Super Bowls in three of the most heartbreaking fashions. You weren't there for the first two. I was. I'm of that age. I saw them. The first one wasn't quite as heartbreaking because it, you know, they they scored late to make the score what it was. The second one certainly was, and tonight certainly was times 50. On one hand, it was great that they're there. It was a fun game. All of those things, they were, they were ahead of schedule. You can say all the positive things you want about this team and how they got here, and it's all true. But there's also this other side of it. You don't know how many times you're going to be back. Aaron right. Rodgers and Green Bay fans thought they'd be there how many one times time. in a row? You know, one, and they one got win. One. They got one. And so when you get there, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. And the thing is, they weren't outclassed. They were right there. They had the game. Right. It felt like they were going to win the game for the entire second half. And then it, it was heartbreak at the end. It was just, it was hard to watch, but it was a very weird feeling all around. And I guess the sad part of it from my perspective is it'll never be like this again, because this was fun. It was unexpected. The whole city loved it from here on out. This is the expectation and they're only going to underachieve in the minds of fans. So it's never going to feel like this again. And that part is a bummer, but like you said, there's a ton of reason to be optimistic about this team going forward. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird part of, of the whole, um, when you when you don't expect this, that's the most fun, right? Where you're like, oh, house money, house money, house money, house money. And then it ends in a thud. It really stinks. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, and, and again, you're right, you, you don't know when you get back to this, but when you have a core like this, you expect to get back to this. And I guess that's where we're at with this, of I expect this team, it doesn't have to be next year. It might be the year after. It might be the year after that. It might be in Joe Burrow's sixth year. Whenever that comes, I'm good with that. And it might, again, it might come next year. But boy, it is, it's always opportunity loss when you're that close. Make one stop. You win the whole thing and everybody goes crazy and you didn't. If nothing else, it's great to be in a position to where you have all the pieces in place to return again. The Bengals, it feels like they have a window opening for them. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic going forward if you're a fan. But let's let's get back to the, the game. Rams win 23-20. I think there are going to be three things that everybody is talking about when they go to work on Monday, Skinny. And the first is, of course, the defensive pass interference call on Logan Wilson. He reached around Cooper Cup, made a great breakup of a pass, or so it seemed, on the Rams' final drive. He gets called for defensive pass interference on replay. He was definitely wrapped around him for a brief second. It didn't really look very egregious at all. And then, of course, it ended up leading to a few more flags, which then led to the game-winning score by the Rams. 
What was your thought on the defensive pass interference on Logan Wilson? I thought it was right call. Um, and if you look, I mean, go back to that, that Raiders game where there were some crazy flags. Um, it kind of evens itself out. I, when you look back at all of that, I mean, even the, the I, I know fans didn't like the offsetting penalty thing where they didn't think it was a, a, a personal foul. I thought it was. Again, we all are subjective on this, and so are the officials. So I'm I'm good with that. Bottom line is you had a chance to stop them on fourth and one, back on their own 30, and they run Cooper Cup on an end around. You had a chance to stop them a couple other times, and you didn't. So I'm not going to point fingers at flags. I, I thought it was – Rick, I thought it was the right call. You can, you can disagree. That's fine. But I thought it was the right call. He, re, he draped himself around the guy. The one thing I will say, and I tweeted this out, was – you guys went the whole game without throwing a bunch of penalties, and I was great. It was a fun flow, and nobody complained. And then all of a sudden, you start throwing flags late. Mm, that's a little goofy, but the thing is, when you look back at all those flags they threw, you go, that was a penalty, that was a penalty, and that was probably a penalty. That's the part of it that's really hard for me to swallow as a Bengals fan, Skinny, is they had been – swallowing their whistle, keeping the flags in their pocket, however you want to phrase it, they weren't calling penalties pretty much the entire game. There were, what, four flags up until that final drive? And yeah, and a couple on, of them were like pre-snap stuff that happens. Right, and then on the final drive, they throw four of them. Mm -hmm. Now, on the flip side of it, I, I will agree with you that I think it is a penalty that can be called. I mean, he clearly was wrapped around him. Now, I think it was very briefly, and I don't think he really held him back or anything. I think he pretty much let go right away and then made a brilliant play. And I think there's a difference in that situation where if Logan Wilson really gave himself an advantage and, and held the guy up when he was clearly right. going to make the no, catch and then he barely ball. got into the play, it's one thing. But he was in perfect position, clearly broke on the ball early enough, got out in front of Cooper Cup, and easily broke that up. I mean, so much so at one point I thought he might pick the pass off. So no, right. to me, that's a little bit different, and I, I'd probably let him get away with it a little more. Plus, you factor in that they hadn't been calling lots of close things like that, and I wish they – I mean, obviously, being a homer, I wish they wouldn't have called it, but it was a frustrating whistle to get. Now, that being said, it's hard to blame this on the refs when you go back to T. Higgins' big catch to start the second half when he basically ripped <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's face off and they didn't call a face mask on that, and that led to a Bengals touchdown. So, I mean, it kind of evened itself out. Now, you can say that was – a different time in the game and this was a bigger possession, what right. have you. And I won't argue against all of that, but I would agree with you that for the most part, you can't blame this on the refs, but it does suck that all of a sudden they start throwing flags left and right on that final drive. Yeah. I think it's where we go to. I mean, if you want to go tit for tat, you can argue the T Higgins one was completely egregious. It should yeah, have been. And it was, but, but I will say you get hand fighting on a sideline and a lot of times officials don't see it as much as you'd like them to see it. They just don't. They're in a different angle. They don't see it all, and it worked out great for the Bengals. So, I listen, when you come back to the, the last drive, yes, there were some weird penalties and bad penalties, and I think you'll agree with this. When push came to shove, referees didn't cost them the game. That, that, it didn't cost them the game. What cost them the game was you can't block up front. Well, and that brings us to the second thing that I think everyone's going to be talking about on Monday, and that's the Bengals' final drive when they have a chance to go back down and Joe Burrow to work his magic – they get to third and one. Where's and Joe they, Mixon? And they run Samaje Pirine right at Aaron Donald. Mm. Obviously, <laughs> he got stuffed, and then that led to the fourth and one where Aaron Donald pressures 
Joe Burrow didn't quite sack him, but basically was hitting him before he was releasing the ball and, and it's an incomplete pass and it ends the game right there. Skinny, what are you thinking when they're running Samaj P. Ryan on third and one for the season? Um, I, I don't mind the run play call at all. I don't mind that at all. I might have run at Aaron Donald a little bit. I, I think I'd have run away from him. Thank you. I mean, what's that? I just but, for, for starters, doesn't that seem like the most basic yes, logic of all? Yes. Yes, correct. Now, some of it is they overloaded that side, and I get some of that, and you're trying to go backside and get him upfield and kick him out upfield. I, I do get some of that. I really and truly do. I saw the block concept. And I went, eh, I get some of that. You're trying to kick the guy out of the hole when he's coming upfield, and you got a chance to do that. You didn't. But where in the world is Joe Mix? Where's Where's Waldo? Where is Joe Mixon? The last two plays, where is Joe Mixon? Can you help me with that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I know Bengals fans are frustrated because it's happened throughout the season in different big plays where Samaj P. Ryan was on the field for those. And you go back to the first drive of the game. And yes. they had Samaj P. Ryan out yes. there for a third and one instead of Joe Mixon. I, I guess I just don't really understand going down with Samaj P. Ryan. That doesn't right. make sense to me. Whether you're running the ball or you're passing the ball. I've got to have it in Joe Burrow's or Joe Mixon's hands there. You got to go down with your best talents. Here's the, here's the big thing, Rick on fourth and one from whatever that was the Bengal or from the Rams 30 late in the game, they go fourth and one and send Cooper cup in motion and hand him the hand him the football. Right. And they go, you're our best guy. It's fourth and one. Go make me a play. He Just gets get seven in his hands. Correct. Get in his hands. Hell I'd have been better off with, Jamar Chase on a jet sweep on yep. fourth and one or third and one. Uh, and listen, Samaj P. Ryan made a great play against Kansas City. And good God love him. I like him. He's a good dude. I like him a ton. I I love him actually a ton. He's just a good dude. But he's not very good. He's a backup running back in this league who's been cut by multiple teams for reasons. Well, and you're, you're paying Joe How Mixon Joe all that Mixon money for not a reason. getting a touch? Is Joe Mixon tired with 15 carries and five catches? Is Joe Mixon tired because they got another game to play or six more weeks to go or eight more weeks? Or is What are you doing? That is the most frustrating part to me of tonight was how does Joe Mixon on the two most important plays of your year not be in the ball game? You're paying him so much money. You talk about how much you trust him all the time and what a playmaker he is. I just don't understand why you don't have him on the field. And again, if you're running in that situation, it's even worse. Why is he not in the game? Why are you not giving him the ball? But even if you're passing, you would just think you would want your best talent on the field. If nothing else is a decoy. I just don't understand why Joe Mixon isn't in the game at that point. And, and we didn't hear anything after the right. game as to like right. he was injured right. or anything like that. So there doesn't seem to really be any reason for this. Yeah. No, I I, I did the postgame special on Local 12 from 1030 to midnight. And um, I, I listened to a chunk of the, the, the post game coming in. I, I heard Zach. I didn't hear all of Zach, I don't think. And if I did, and no no shade on my colleagues, that I thought the question would be asked about why was Joe not a part of those last couple of plays. And it might have been asked before they came on, whatever. So I'm not going to throw shade at that. But that was my whole thing of why was he not involved in the last two plays? And so then – I had to ask Gary Miller a question on set and I asked him a, que a different question because I didn't want to throw him on the spot because he's trying to do a thousand things and I'm trying to be a nice guy and not put him on a ter terrible spot of, you know, 
was there a question asked about why was Joe Mixon not a part of the last two plays? I mean, honestly, the the last play of the game, Rick, where Joe Burrow spins out of the sack and just slings one because he had to sling one. Could Samaj Piran give me a little better effort than just watching it drop to the turf? I don't know if he would have caught it. I think Joe Mixon might have caught it. I really do. Am I wrong, or did we not just see Joe Mixon rip off like a 14-yard run the drive before that or something? Yes. Or maybe yes, it was 12, 12 yes. yards, something 13. like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he looked good. I, I don't. I guess I don't understand where this is coming from. Like, why? He touched it 20, touched it 20 times. I would have wanted him to touch it 30 times. I mean... Yeah, I, were they getting cute there I don't, I don't and trying that. to like surprise them with Samaj Ryan? I think I, no, I think they were. I think I, I, no, I think that's the point because it was third and one, and they decided they were going to go drop back to pass and run a little bit of a mini draw. It was not a quick, complete draw of almost hey, get up field, Rams pass rush because you're killing us, and we'll sneak this guy. You don't think is going to stop sneaking, guys? Give it to your best guy. He's your best guy. It just uh, it's hard to figure out. I mean, there's nothing really else to add to it other than. No. Where's he at? And go go down with the Super Bowl on the line with your backups on the field. Correct. And more, and more importantly, don't give them the ball in that situation. I mean, it just I do not get that at all. I don't either. I, I that was the one thing. I listen. I know Zach was up against it because his offensive line didn't block, and I get that part. I do. As a coordinator, you you've coached. I've coached. I mean, when when you're trying to do things and they just are better than you at this, you can't do that. I get that. But I'm going down with my best guys, and there's no question. Joe Mixon's getting paid a bunch of money, 48 mil over four years, pretty good chunk of money. And I guarantee you he'd go, I'm in. Now, if he was hurt, and I have not heard that to this point, maybe he was, and I can't address that part of it because no one has reported that, no one has said that, no one has talked about that. But if he was hurt, okay. But other than that, how is he not on the field for the last two plays of your season? It just, it, it does not make sense to me at all. His quote says they were getting, Zach, this is Zach Taylor speaking. He says, they were getting a little softer, thought we could steal a first down, then take some shots at the end zone. Fine. And that's really all I see. That's no. the extent of the explanation we have on that No, Rick, no I, I had some friends that, you know, texted me and said, how do you not, how do you, why do you run the ball there? I go, I'm fine with the run. The run's not a problem. The run wasn't an issue. The runner was an issue. Yeah. Exactly. I have, I, have no, no, I, have no, run. I have no problem with them calling a run on third and one there. Now, granted, I would prefer probably that you let Joe mix it or I mean, Joe Burrow try to make a play in that situation just because I think he's so good in end of game situations and he's the yep. best talent on the field that I'd I'd go down with him if it were me personally. But I can live with you running yes. on third and one if it's Joe Mixon. But Samaj P. Ryan, come on, man. I'm fine with the run call. The run call doesn't bother me an ounce. You want to get a first down because at that point, then Rick, you can get up, maybe take a timeout or spike it. And when you spike it, that's first, that, you know, it's second down at the, you know, the 42, whatever it is. And maybe you pop the run too on top of it. I'm popping the run with my best guy. He's my best guy. The third thing that I think everybody is going to be talking about on Monday is Joe Burrow's knee. He was sacked a record seven times, a Super Bowl record seven times in the game. The final one, his knee got bent under him funny. Yeah. It looked real bad at first. He limped off the sideline, had some help. And then it was reported uh, that he was over there looking at an iPad, didn't have anyone working on him. He came back out for the final drive, looked okay during that drive. But then after the game, there was video of him limping off to a golf cart. And then Zach Taylor was very noncommittal 
after the game in press conferences talking about Joe Burrow's knee and the, the future of that knee and, and what's going to be done. He says they just don't know the extent of it now and they'll address it at a later date. So it certainly didn't sound like, oh, yeah, no worries. Everything is OK. Skinny, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Joe Burrow's knee? Well, the one thing is it's not the knee that he injured initially. It's his right knee which you can argue sucks even worse because it's, 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 it's a good or a bad thing, right. honestly. Yeah. No, it's a different, it's a different knee. So I, I'll give you that part of it. Um, the fact he finished the game is you could argue is adrenaline related and that's probably true. Um, and here we are in February. Uh, I, I'm going to be okay with this. I don't think I'm going to overreact to this until I have to overreact to it. And that sounds cop out, right? But I'm I'm not going to overreact till I have to overreact, and so I'm I'm I think it was him. He got hurt. It didn't feel good. It was maybe a sprain for all we know. Uh, the fact that he finished the game, God love him, and that shows you how tough he is and why you love him. But I'm not going to overreact to it at this point. I'll overreact in a month if we go. Oh crap! He's got to have another surgery. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. I don't think that's the case, and maybe it's not the case. Yeah, it doesn't mean there aren't things torn in there. I mean, we've seen guys right. go back in a game with their knee torn in different ways, but at least there was some stability if he was able to get up right. and play and again. He played. And, and he, he played. moved okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look like right. he was he being hindered by it too much. So I, I actually would have thought he was fine had we not seen him limping around after the game and then heard Zach Taylor talk about it. So I, I had already right. moved on. Right. I think the one thing I kind of came back to when watching this game, seeing the sacks and really seeing that play is – kind of brought the whole season and all the storylines a little bit full circle that yep. everyone was right to a certain extent, weren't they? Like the Bengals oh, made no the play. right decision in the draft and everything, drafted no Jamar Chase right. and not drafted Panay Sewell. But the people who were talking about this is malpractice to have Joe Burrow on a reconstructed knee playing behind that offensive line, they were right too. I mean, he has taken an absurd amount of abuse this year on a surgically reconstructed knee. And in this game, that was so apparent. He, who knows what happened to his other knee in this game? I mean, he, we might have another surgery on our hands. Hopefully that's not the case. I don't think it is either. Just like you said, but we don't know yet. And I mean, if that is the case, man, I, like everybody was right at the end of the day, everybody was right. Well, Rick, the thing was um, you had to get a game breaker and they got that guy in Jamar chase. And that was all well and good. And you were not going to be able to address everything in this offseason. They went, uh, they, they decided, let's go defensive guys, secondary, linebacker, line. All I mean, they literally, they went everywhere. So I get where they went with all of this. And when you look back, they got the Super Bowl with all of the things that we think are bad, right? They got, to the, they got the Super Bowl with the offensive line being bad. And right. so now you go, okay, hey, listen, guys, relax. Our defense is really good. Our offensive line is bad. Our receivers are really good. Our running back's good. Our quarterback's great. You're not going to go from six wins in two years to winning a Super Bowl in theory, and they almost did. That's the thing. They almost did. Yeah, no, it's incredible, and I give them full credit for that. And, and I don't – like, this isn't to say that they did it wrong because you are right. There was no way that you were going to make up for all those holes in one offseason. It just wasn't feasible. And right. so they probably played it. No, not probably. They absolutely played it as well as they possibly could. Yes. They ended up in the freaking Super Bowl after being what they were hey. just a season ago. I mean, that's hey, incredible. Rick, 
Rick, they're not going to the Super Bowl with Penny Sewell at right tackle no. or wherever he's going to play. They're no. not going. They're, no, and they're this going is, to the Super Bowl because Jamar Chase was stupid good. 100%. And this isn't a Penny Sewell-Jamar Chase debate. I didn't no, want to right, get back to right, that. That right, wasn't right. my point. No, no, right. But it was just I to know, say know, that there was so much conversation about it. We went back and forth, and we all knew the offensive line wasn't good enough. We all knew it was bad. So this isn't like some big revelation, but it's also the people who are on the, the side of, hey, Jamar Chase, they need game breakers. This is the right choice, whatever. They'll figure out the offensive line piece later. They were right to a certain extent, right? They did need that game breaker piece. Yes. That was a goal. But then the other people were on the other side of it that, look, they, they probably shouldn't have drafted Penesol. That wouldn't have been the right choice. But the p- people were saying, this is malpractice to draft a receiver when you're in the situation with Joe Burrow and the offensive line. I mean, that that side of the argument was correct. It was malpractice to have Joe, Joe Burrow playing behind this offensive line. There just wasn't anything you could really do about it for the most part. And, and, and that's where it goes back to when you're at the stage they were, you're not fixing everything in two off seasons. You're just not. Right. You're, you're going to fix some things. And by and the way, Panay Sewell wasn't the full answer there either. It's not like correct. he upgraded you to the extent that you were going to be great all of a sudden. No, correct. And so – Listen, it sucks. It's losing stinks. I hate losing. I hate losing. Here's the thing. I hate losing more than I like winning. How about that? I hate that. I hate losing so much. I hate losing more than anything in my fiber. So I get where they're going with that. But I'll tell you what. They're close. They are so close. Because it's not like you got to retool the roster and go, I need a quarterback. I need a running back. I need a wide receiver. I need a left tackle. I need a right tackle. You're so close. That's where we're at with that. They're so close. This is something we talked about a lot after the Kansas City win, but the Bengals have hit a home run with Lou Anarumo as their defense coordinator. The defense was absolutely outstanding in the second half once again. Yeah, 58 yards, three first downs until that last drive. And the last drive was arguably aided by some crazy penalties and a couple of big plays and got to love Matthew Stafford. I mean, God love him. He made great plays. He made great throws. He's, he's really Rick. I'm telling you, he's really good. I, I don't like a lot of guys coaching wise. Cause I think they're all clowns for the most part, but he's really good. He, he knows his stuff. He gets his guys to play the way he wants them to play. And his schemes are so good. He's really, really, really good. Well, he is really talented, too. I mean, he has the arm talent and all that. And the one pass that he made on their final scoring drive where it was, I think it was like second and long, and they were around the 50. Yep, and he threw yep, that one yep. over the middle to Cooper Cup where he looked yep. the safety off. He was looking at a receiver to the and right and then threw it across the middle as a no-look yep. pass to Cooper Cup who was slicing across. And uh, a perfect pass right on the money with a lot of zip on it. And then Cooper Cup took it for 20-something yards and and got them into scoring position. And that's what then uh, ended up leading eventually to the the penalty fest there at the end. But, right, right. I mean – you're, you're right. I mean, he, he, he was really good, and you, you take your hat off to the defense. And it seems like Lou Anarumo, whether it's he's finding some type of adjustment during the first half to make for the second half and changing it up on the opposing offense, or he has something before the game in his game plan that he knows is going to work, but he's saving it for after halftime so they don't have as much time to communicate about and adjust to it, or, or they just are stubborn enough that they say, hey, it's worked to this point. We're not going to change now what we're doing. He has been so good with this defense in the second half of games and coming up with a little bit of smoke and mirrors and something extra to just kind of really shut the water off on those opposing offenses. Yeah, I mean, like I said, 58 yards, three first downs until the last drive. And the last drive, that was a Matthew Stafford 
gotta love them drive. I mean, 58 yards and three first downs until the last drive. That's that's great defense. You can't play defense better than that. And then occasionally, you know what, Rick? You like I said, we all we've all been through all this stuff. Occasionally, you just go, you know what? Tip your cap. You were better than us, and that's how this stuff goes. That's why sports is so great. Because occasionally, you just go, you know what? We were great. You were great. You were better than me. Wouldn't matter. That's the way it goes. And that was the great part about this game was it was an entertaining game till the end. I mean, both teams made yep. plays. It was it was fun to watch. Um, going back to Zach Taylor's decision making a little bit, we talked about the Samaje Pirine situation. What yeah. did you make of Taylor's decision to go for it on the first drive on fourth down? Because I mean, he's been doing that all season, so it wasn't much of a surprise. But it ended up looking back being a pretty big call. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't mind the play call. Get the right personnel in there. I mean, Joe Mixon touched the ball 20 times, Rick. He should have touched it 35 times. Literally, 35 times. Touch the ball. And that that's stupid. That's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, third and one in that situation, they hand off to Samaje P. Ryan, and then he goes nowhere for no gain. And then they try to throw a quick pass to Jamar Chase into like double or triple coverage and it gets batted down and they uh, give it up on downs at the 49. And that led to an immediate touchdown for the Rams. So, I mean, it was a big decision at the time. I didn't have a problem with Taylor going for it at all, but I was actually more annoyed with the third and one call. I was fine with Jamar Chase, you know, trying to get the ball to Jamar Chase, letting Joe Burrow try to make a play there on fourth and one. That was fine. But third and one to Samaj P. Ryan, again, just to me does not make any sense. No, right. I mean, go down with your best guys. That, that I don't, I don't care if somebody needs a blow, a tired, whatever. Give them the carry on first and 10 at the 29. But when go go to your best guys. Give your best guys touches. Samaj AP right is not your best guy. Right. Now, I will say, I think it's different on the first drive of the game when you don't know yeah, but- that third and one is going to come down to a fourth and one decision at the 49. You know, it's not, it's not the same as the last drive of the game and you know it's the last drive of the game and you're literally going out with Samaj AP Ryan for the Super Bowl on the line this was a little bit different to give him that opportunity but again it's the freaking Super Bowl man third and short fourth and short it should be Joe Mixon every time Correct. unless you've got Jerome Bettis on your sidelines or playing fullback somewhere and there's a reason to hand it off to someone else hand it off to the best running back please yeah Give it to your best guy. And and here's the thing that sucks about this. I don't want to crap on Zach Taylor and this coaching staff. They did a great job, and I really don't have much of an issue, whether it be this game or the entire playoffs, with their play calling and the stuff they did. But, man, those that one thing is just really annoying. No, right. No, I'm with with you. I mean, they did a great job. I mean, you get to this point, but still, go down with your best guys. I've done it. I'm, I'm sure you've done it as a coach too. Occasionally, you go down with your best guys. You go, you know what? Went down with my best guys. I'm I can good live with that. it. I, yeah, I, I can, can live, live with it. that. You guys didn't play the way I wanted to play. You guys didn't make shots. You guys didn't do this. Okay, I'm good with that. But go down with your. I'm not going to go down to my 11th guy on a on an on 11 man roster. I mean, seriously. <laughs> uh. Looking at the Ram side of things, Aaron Donald finishes with two sacks. He had that final pressure on Joe Burrow, which was as big as any sack in the game. Uh, He had multiple stuffed runs. He didn't get MVP. That actually went to Cooper Cup. He finished with eight catches for 92 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Also, Matthew Stafford, we talked about, was really good in this one. He He was 26 of 40 for 283 yards, three touchdowns. 
two interceptions. But Skinny, I want to ask you, let's say the Bengals get a stop there on that final drive defensively. No interception, no turnover. They don't go down and score after it. They just run the clock out. Who ends up being the MVP for the Bengals in that situation? I think T. Higgins, maybe. Two touchdown catches, maybe Burrow, just because it's Burrow. But one of of the touchdown passes to T. Higgins was Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow. So I think that might tilt it in favor of Higgins. Correct. But I think still Joe Burrow, if he wins the Super Bowl, I think they'd give it to him. His numbers were pretty good. His pass rating was really good. His The fact he didn't throw interception was really good. I, I think he gets it. I, I, I do think he gets it right. I, l- listen, I, I had a bet on T. Higgins for MVP, but I think it would have been Joe Burrow. I do. Yeah, Burrow finished 22 of 33, 263 yards, one TD and no interceptions. 67%? Pretty good. Pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean – the future is bright, assuming both of his knees can stay intact. Yeah, well, good point. <laughs> Great point. And that's a big point of, uh, after tonight. If hopefully that is not a bad thing. I don't think it is. Sprain, maybe. If it's sprain, we're good. But, man, that, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, continue following that storyline on the weekly Skinny Podcast. And we appreciate everyone listening to us all year yep, doing this absolutely. wrap up podcast. It's been, it's something we started a season ago because a couple people kind of asked about it and said, Hey, yep. I appreciate it. If you guys would do this, we started up and it's to the point now where we get about the same amount of listens on this as we do the regular weekly podcast. Yep. So we appreciate you guys all tuning in and sticking with us through it. No question. Rick, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back with our, uh, it's going to get basketball centric, but it's going to be great. So we'll do that uh, midweek. Thanks for listening to us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.